the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. And here goes nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 6, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and we said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everyone's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object, the most obvious druid in WWE history, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. We're back, Mike. We're back for another episode. How about that? Rocking and rolling all over the internet. People just downloading and subscribing like crazy. It's uh, been a whirlwind. It sure has been. And then I listen to new episodes every Monday. This podcast is available every Monday on iTunes. Podbean and BDARadio.com. Are you saying we could be a cure for the Mondays, Mike? Oh, wow. That's, How about that, huh? That's good. Huh? We don't need PR. We don't need a public relations department. Right off the top of my head. Wow. We got the kingpin right here. Unbelievable. All right, let's go with that. Let's let's, let's blue sky that. Is that what they say in the corporate world? In the, uh, I don't know. I have no clue. Okay. I'm well, not you, Come on. I'm not a grown-up. I'm not in the corporate world. <laughs> You're a wrestler, right? That's what you do. Well, I mean, I, I work for a corporation, but oh. I, I wouldn't say I'm in the corporate world. BDARadio.com? The sure. corporation? Oh, yeah. Uh, all the checks with all the zeros, man. Until that Sirius XM uh, contract comes in, right? Hey, wait a minute here. <laughs> we don't want to get fired. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get away from that. So anyway, okay. So BDARadio.com. You can get the podcast every Monday and iTunes and Podbean. Now, we're going to ask you to do something for the wrestling podcast about nothing. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on iTunes right now. Take one minute and write us a five or six star, however many star, whatever the maximum is, number of stars you can rate something on iTunes. That's what we'd like you to do for us because we're worth it, obviously. So resubscribe. Write us a review. It really gets the podcast out there and helps us grow, and that's what we're looking to do. So do us a personal favor. Please press pause right now on this podcast. Go make sure you subscribe to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Please, people. Damn it. I have a family to feed. Exactly. So let's talk about today's show. Uh in the first episode, we talked about it. We had a little story that we shared about uh, being druids 
uh, for the WWE, as, as I alluded to in your intro. Former WWE superstars, if you will. The Druids. We still, we're still yet to get that booking. We're, we're, we're out there. I'm working on some things for us, you know? Really? Conventions okay. and whatnot. Nice. Hashtag book the Druids. So, people came to... people. Uh, we heard from a few people that said they want to hear more about that kind of stuff. So, this week's podcast, we're going to do our best to take you behind the scenes to the life of a WWE extra. Through WWE's relationship with Chaotic Wrestling for a number of years um, and some other connections that we uh, got along the way, we were afforded the opportunity to be backstage at many events um, in the right the, like, the 2001, 2, 3 through – when was your last time backstage? Uh, 2011 was my, I was think my last time me backstage. Me too, yes. So um, we're going to – It's been gonna, a little bit now. I miss catering. Yeah, it's, there's, there's some good stuff back there. It's uh, it's good and it's good for you as well lots of healthy healthy options so we were uh able to get the opportunity uh, to be backstage many times sometimes we're appearing on camera sometimes just appearing in catering but uh we had a lot of uh probably some pretty interesting stories to share so that's going to be today's episode of the wrestling podcast about nothing we've got tales to tell and we're going to do it right here on the wrestling podcast about nothing plus a promo about nothing, and much, much more on episode six of the WPAN. Hashtag WPAN, Mike. Exactly. But before we get into all that stuff, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Bubba Dudley approved? Well, it's not true. Bubba Ray has not weighed in on the site. But we do have messages to Snot Dudley to get his thoughts. Uh, so what does it mean? BDA Radio means the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out the latest on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Check out our friends at BDARadio.com, the official sponsor. We're looking for more sponsors. Any sponsors out there? Come on board. The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. But for now... I like money. We like money. We sure do. And uh, thank you very much to BDARadio.com. Be sure to uh, patronize their... their uh... Yeah, check them out. I mean, I'm retweeting their stuff constantly. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the wrestling... Aside from the wrestling news and, and the MMA news, there's also girls. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> Lots of girls. The knockout of the night. Uh, the tail of the tape. Uh, Boobies some... and buns. <laughs> Oh, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's plenty of stuff over there to uh, tickle your fancy in more ways than one. And that's uh, BDARadio.com. So let's get into this, Kingpin. Um, so we got the opportunity many times. Well, I don't know. It seems like quite a few times. More than I can count, which I guess that's that's a good that's a good thing. And that's... It was, uh, we're very thankful for the opportunities that we got. I yeah, think. I mean, it took me a few years to uh, start getting them, but I mean, consistently, I would say anywhere from probably, I think the most I ever did in a year might have been six or eight, perhaps, where, you know, so somewhere between like two to six or eight or whatever for, you know, a number of years, probably seven or eight years. So, so you're basically on the payroll. Essentially, yeah. I did get a 1099 every year, so. Whoa, all right. Huh? S- yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's that's on the resume. 
you're a WWE talent. There you go. Extra talent. Well, you you make that in like extra extra small font. It's just BDA. Kind of kind of like kind of like John Cena senior. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Um <laughs> uh, so yeah, what was your first time? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, wait a minute. What are we talking uh, about here, Mike? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. First time backstage at WWE. <laughs> let's 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 go with that. So I actually had to look up look up the date. I knew it was a pay-per-view. I, I knew the main event was uh, The Undertaker versus Randy Orton in a Hell in a Cell match. But I kind of knew it was around 2005-ish. So I looked up the date today. It turns out it was December 18th, two, uh, 2005. It was the Armageddon pay-per-view. Uh, There's only two extras that day, myself uh, and the now world-famous Warbeard Hansen of Ring of Honor fame. Ring of Honor. Is tag team champion still? Uh, I oh, I know I they, they lost them at a TV taping. I don't know if it's officially oh, aired yet. Spoiler alert! Spoiler, spoiler alert! Yeah, let's, we're supposed to say the spoiler alert before you give away the result. I don't I don't know how that works. Anyway, <laughs> but we uh, it's very good that we did some research here. That was that was lacking in the the first few episodes there. The re, the research department of uh, the wrestling podcast is about nothing. So. Well, it's about me, so of course I want to okay, research we, it. Yes, we, thank God we are doing our homework here. But uh, I mean, at that at that time, a uh, couple of chaotic alum there, uh, uh, am I shit factor himself? Chad Dick <laughs> uh, was a member of the roster, and, it, uh, and b- by the way, he uh, am I shit factor dot com no longer operational. Sadly, very sad. Now we've moved on to chubbyspeedo dot com. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> look it up. <laughs> but uh, Palmer Cannon was also there. They they both were with uh, Chaotic at some point. And most people were probably like, huh? Who the hell are these guys? Because they each were in WWE for about three minutes. And a cup you, of coffee, yeah, as they say. You blinked. Uh, you missed them. Remember, there's a parking garage across the street. We did, there wasn't even like this building was so small. There's not even like the backstage like parking lot and we showed up we had to walk across the street with our bags and we just kind of went into a side door just side door was open nobody stopped us we came through the uh, concession area and i we walked down the stairs and literally the first person i see at tv is vince mcmahon i didn't approach him or anything but the first person i saw was vince mcmahon so that was kind of like that oh shit this is yeah this is this is this is real um we're going now. Now we're heading to the back, and, and Todd had been there uh, a couple times. Warbeard Hanson, whatever I'll call him, Todd or Handsome. Just know that I'm talking. That's who I'm talking about. Um, and we bump into Jimmy Corderas, who swears up and down that he knows me. Referee Jimmy. Referee Corderas. Jimmy Corderas. Yes, swears up and down. I said, No, I don't think we've ever met before. Was insistent upon the fact that we had indeed met, so I just agreed, and <laughs> perhaps maybe I just forgot. Spent a lot of time up in Canada, <laughs> right? That's, that's yeah, what I was a lot of time on the road with WWE before that, or not that's at all, true. and I never would have crossed paths with them <laughs> ever. Um, now I don't know, if you, and of course you probably remember Mike. Um, for the people who don't know, things have, things are different now. So if you're somebody who's going to TV now, these stories will be very different than what you're probably used to. Um, things were much less kind of like official at that point. Um, when you got there, you kind of just checked in with talent relations and they had like a very unofficial list and, uh, you filled out some tax paperwork and put your name on a list and that was kind of it. (laughs) And, and then they had, uh, at that point it was Tony Gurria who would carry around a briefcase that had Mm -hmm. money. And at that point, um, the guys would the guys they had that that there because uh, the guys would take draws like the actual the actual WWE talent they would take draws if they needed cash and couldn't go to an ATM or something 
you know, again, a lot has changed in the last, you know, 11 years or so. But Let me just say, uh, just as an aside, a beautiful head of hair on Tony Gurria. <laughs> Certainly, but he's a very intimidating person. Uh, so, again, Todd, knowing kind of what the deal is, we go up the first time, and uh, it was $250, which was pretty awesome, $250 cash to eat some food. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we went once, and... Uh, Tells us I'm not set, I'm not set up. Come back later. So we go and uh, you know we hang around. We went and sat in the stands. We watched them try to convince Randy Orton to take a bump off the Hell in a Cell through through the announce table, and he was having none of it. Uh, saw uh, Harvey Whippleman and the Brooklyn Brawler bring Bob Orton some beer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thirsty. Uh, this is before uh, you know. I uh, think they let him go because he had hepatitis. Um, <laughs> But then we went back again, and uh, no, no, uh, still not set up. Uh, tells us to come back again. Um, you know, we go do whatever, sat in the stands some more. Third time, we took a walk by. He still wasn't set up. We had made the decision that, all right, we're going to try one more time. If he doesn't have the money set up, we're just not getting paid. Thankfully, really? yeah, yes, it, was, it was very intimidating. I don't want to go demanding money my first time in – at the WWE, uh, well, you haven't done anything yet, Brian. You, you, you get, <laughs> do something first, then you get paid. No, no, no. they gave you your money first because probably because they didn't want to deal with you at the end of the night. They're probably just hoping you'd, you'd leave if, if uh, you know, you weren't doing anything. Um, so finally, yeah. Long story short, we did get our money, um, but it was just it was just a crazy. I mean, that was the night. Also, like Tim White committed suicide. Do you remember this? Uh, they did, like he was at like his bar or whatever with Josh Matthews and I don't think I saw it, but, I, <laughs> but, I, but I've heard the yeah I've heard of like, what happened. Yeah, we, so we were sitting there watching the monitor with like the Big Show, and the Big Show loses his mind over it. Like I think I think he just loses how angry. Yeah, funny, oh yeah, like, yeah, like angry. Okay. <laughs> like was not happy with 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 that angle. And then can you like uh, describe the angle a little bit? Like. Do, what exactly did he do? And is it? It's a well. He, he, it's a pre-taped piece, right? Yeah. Well, well, what did Tim White do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he like you know they were they were doing the I think these like Tim White was depressed because uh, and they were doing they were doing these vignettes with him or talking how it like ruined his life or whatever how the Hell in a Cell ruined his life. I think he took I think the like the last Hell in a Cell match out he took like a nasty bump. Yeah, something with Chris Jericho and, and yeah, and he went uh, into the cage and he was never the same. He never, never exactly really fully returned to refereeing. And so, like, I think Josh Matthews was like at they. They always went to his bar and when they tap right when they were in Providence and yeah. and um, like Josh Matthews is there or whatever, and Tim White has the gun, and then I, I, I don't remember the whole specifics of it. I probably should have gone back and watched it, but I do remember like Josh Matthews like walks away, and then all of a sudden, off camera, you hear like the gunshot go off, kind of vindicating that Tim White has killed himself. Which late, I think, later on, once they got all the negative. Uh, publicity that you know he missed. <laughs> yeah, it was so. like, like with with the uh, the Val Venus spot with the uh, choppy choppy the PP. This turns out there was shrinkage, so he didn't. <laughs> so it didn't get chopped off. But yeah, just all just significant shrinkage nonsense. Um, we also kind of saw the demise of Juventud Guerrera in in uh, the same night. Wow, so yeah, very eventful. Well, I, it's it's funny because. I mean, nobody are, they don't friggin' care that you're there. Like, they don't even think twice about you being there, so they're just going about their business. And Yeah, they didn't think that, that anyone that would later have a podcast would be <laughs> right, sitting there exactly. watching. <laughs> uh, Juventud Guerrero, I think, had a match with, like, Kid Cash and then came up to 
Nova, who was Simon Dean, Mike Bucci, you know, at that at that point, and was he, was he talent relations at the time? He wasn't yet, but it, it was pretty close to him going into that role. I think he was already starting to kind of transition. And Hooven Guerrero didn't like his feedback, and Nova looks at us, me and Todd, and goes, "Well, if he didn't like, didn't want my feedback, he shouldn't have asked me." Right. And then we saw kind of some agents pull the other Mexicals aside and try to talk some sense into them to smarten Hooventud Guerrero up. So I ate lunch with Chris Benoit, uh, shook his hand. Oh. So uh, yeah, I mean, but can we talk about that? <laughs> We're not affiliated with WWE. Oh, okay. I mean, if All WWE right. wants to uh, sign me, I'll erase this podcast from existence. Okay. Um, hey. but, um, <laughs> but just, I mean, I give these stories just because my first experience with this was just filled with like, you're wide eyed anyways, because right. this is what I've dreamed about my entire life as a kid growing up, thinking about getting into wrestling, actually getting into wrestling. And now all of a sudden I'm backstage at a pay-per-view witnessing just what goes on and you kind of you kind of start to realize that it's what we do on the independent level obviously on a much bigger scale but there is some of that and but just kind of like i don't know just trying to soak it in and being overwhelmed by it at the same time and at that point just hoping nobody noticed me because i really wanted to be invisible yeah um that's yeah that's kind of you spend a lot of time in the bleachers trying not to be in anybody's way that's that was hurry up and wait Yes. Uh, you, know, you get there, what is call time? 1 p.m., 12.30? I, I think it's actually like 2 now, but I mean, I think it used to be like 1. Yeah, even if it was, we get there early just to make sure that it's known that we're there and we're you know on time, um, most of us anyway. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, I, I think maybe too much so, trying not to cause waves or be in anybody's way it's like we were just super nervous yeah i mean i i look back at it now um and and i i don't think the advice that was given to us was necessarily i think the people who were giving us the advice thought they were giving us the best advice at the time i look back at it now probably wasn't the best advice to try to be invisible it should have been try to stand out what in a positive way Um, where i think it was kind of drilled into our head that if we embarrass the people that we're associated with we'll never work anywhere <laughs> again right, right. um but yeah i mean you, you want to get noticed but for good things you don't want to get noticed for bad things but it was just it's 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 a friggin' intimidating experience because especially the first time you go because all the people that you've grown up watching all the people that are currently on tv there's all of a sudden just there and you're in the locker room with them or you're backstage with them right um you know so you know it, the fortunate, unfortunate thing is the more times you go, the less impressive it becomes, the more jaded you become to it. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Right. You know, I'm, but I'm sure that people listen to it, they'll be like, how could how could that happen? How could you just kind of go there and be kind of going through the motions? But, yeah, I guess the more times you do something, the less, yeah, the less impressive it becomes. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's different now, too. Like, from hearing from guys that go now, it's very different than when we were going. Like, yeah, there is definitely structure and there's feedback and there's some sort of almost evaluation system going on that just didn't take right. place. Back where, yeah, where we went, it was just, you go, they pay you, you eat a lot of good food, and nine times out of ten, they nobody would even talk to you. Like, no, literally nobody would even converse with you, other than you get your money and then 
you could have left right then and there, and nobody would and have people noticed. people have. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are people that, yeah, that have, like, you would get paid, you get paid on Monday for the entire, for Monday and Tuesday, correct? Was that how it was? Uh, no, not not that I remember. It was when they were still given just all cash, it was, you get paid. Because uh, at that point, I think it wasn't an automatic that you were booked for every night. Now, if they kind of put you on the, like, the little loop thing. If right. You, if they have two or three dates, you're, you know, pay-per-view, Raw, SmackDown. You, you kind of do... The whole deal, as long as they're close, where um, at that point, you know, I think I, I think I, I don't, I don't even remember if SmackDown was taped on the Tuesdays, uh, but I only did the pay per view anyways that that very first time. Okay, yeah, because I seem to remember people going on Monday, getting their payday, and then not showing and leaving and not showing up for on Tuesday, and apparently. I don't know. I, I thought I would think that they would. <laughs> there's paid. a there's a, a guy who is on on the independents in New England that right. uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say his name because you know he's a good dude. I like him, um, but I was at TV. I, I think three separate occasions where he. Now these were the days when they switched over. To, later on, we're kind of jumping ahead, but later on they switched over. They'd give you like fifty bucks or whatever, then they'd send you a check for two hundred type of thing. Um, but he would show up on Monday and not show up on Tuesday. Like, on three separate occasions, this guy didn't show up for the last day of TV. And so. and they were none the wiser because just the way no, it he was got paid every then. he got paid every time and kept and getting booked. Kept, yeah, he'd keep coming, he'd keep coming back. They just they just didn't have a system for keeping track of these people, and I don't know, they just didn't know better, and he'd keep on getting booked. So it was very strange. Right, it's the it's the weirdest thing because I mean. And I, I can't speak to it in the last five years, but half the time it felt like they didn't even really want us there. Like people were kind of yeah. like nasty to you a little bit, like like you were a nuisance and a pain in the ass. And what are you doing here? And it's like, well, you kind of you booked me to be here, right? Uh, if you didn't need me, send me home. Right. Uh, but it, it, it as was as long as that you know you get the pay first. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was a weird experience. I mean, what was your first time? Well, my first time, I believe, um, there was a spot. It, it sometimes you get booked as an extra, or, or back in the day you would just get booked as an extra. Sometimes way back when, you know, way back in the olden days, like two thousand three, <laughs> you uh, Jamie or you know with chaotic would get a call for with a specific need in mind. Like they had, oh, there is going to be a a security spot on Monday night, and they need people. There's going to be some sort of angle in the ring, and they need extra bodies. There's going to be they need they need guys uh, to partake in a gay bar scene. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't get to be part of that, uh, sadly. But uh, also at the friendly tap. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I think they probably uh, you know somehow aided in uh, Tim White's eventual demise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my first time, I think it was 2003. I think so because i did a little research for the uh show today um and goldberg had finally made his way to the wwe and um they had a spot in mind where goldberg was going to spear someone through the barricade uh like you know on the outside spear someone through the barricade into the fans and they didn't want actual fans to be there to you know in case the barricade fell on someone's ankles so we'd be there. To we'll, get these, <laughs> we'll get these indie wrestling jerk-offs yes, to uh, get exactly. annihilated. <laughs> exactly. So um, Jamie, with this in mind that they needed people like fans, 
with this in mind, he booked four people. It was myself, who you know didn't really look like much, and look you look like a referee. Yeah, or yeah, I could be a fan. I just like a normal build. Um, someone uh, that we know, the Mighty Mini, who was. I'm not sure his age at the time, but he probably looked 16, uh, very thin, um, yeah, frail-looking kid. Like again, looks just not you wouldn't you wouldn't look at him and think indie worker, right? He was the Chaotic Wrestling Rookie of the Year or or something or other uh, <laughs> out of the CTC. A very kid looked like a fan, um, but you know he knew he knew wrestling. He could work somewhat. And uh, your former championship tag team partner. Pistol Pete Malloy. Oh, name he, from the past. Yes, he was he was there as well as and he similarly he was a very young kid who didn't necessarily look like a a wrestler, but he so he fit perfect for the spot. And the fourth guy was someone that uh, you had just previously <laughs> mentioned, uh, handsome Todd Hansen. I, also, to, I think we both went to TV with Todd quite a bit. Yes. Uh, so Warbeard Hansen. Uh, uh, at the time, you know, babe, uh, you know, uh, uh, not you know, a baby face in terms of face looks. You know, he looked like a young kid. He had like big sideburns and. A little... not, I mean, for those who people who know Todd now and see Todd now. I, I, I mean, Todd's a big guy right now. I think bigger than he's been recently, but still, like big. He has big shoulders, big chest. Like yeah, you, the, you could tell, the dude can you know throw some weight around. At that point, just kind of a fat kid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. exactly. So that those were the four. Those are the four guys that Jamie thought, hey, these guys could look like fans, and I guess deserve it, rightly so. So we got there, and um, we were all dressed, you know. In, like you're supposed to dress when you go to TV. There's some sort of dress code. You know, you wear like a button-down shirt. You wear nice uh, slacks. I've, I don't really use that word, but you wear nice slacks and uh, a nice pair of shoes. And uh, but you know, at the end of the day, we're supposed to be fans. So I brought you know a different outfit. And Todd, I'm not sure if he came in his grubby wear or not but but he ended up in his uh in his in his uh cargo shorts and whatnot or jean shorts or just jorts um and many similarly i think was dressed decently and pistol pete malloy was uh came showed up in an hpk t-shirt because you know i mean I guess you, you know you, you're told Are you going to TV. You told you get you told you're going to be a fan. I guess you know you wear your HPK T-shirt, but they came and gave us here wear these wear these T-shirts. I got an RVD T-shirt. Uh, Todd got a Goldberg T-shirt, and I'm not sure what Minnie got, but Pete, Pete Malloy didn't get a shirt because. He came, at HBK. <laughs> he came in gear. Worked himself right out of a free T-shirt. <laughs> he came in gear. So uh, yeah, that. So we uh, were all dressed and ready to go, and uh, we did the spot. And um, well, we. I mean, Goldberg did the spot. We just were there, and the the space was open, so no one's ankles got crushed. But we were kind of there to be fans, but also to make sure the real fans weren't going to get in the way. So, um, Did you guys sit there like the whole show, like yeah. before and afterwards? Yep, we sat there the in, the entire show, just uh, taking the taking it all in, acting like actual fans. Did you get backstage like afterwards? We were backstage before, and I think afterwards, after we, we 
the only time that we had gotten badges, we got, we got um, backstage badges. That's the only time that I went backstage that I actually got a, a badge, uh, like, you know, a stick-on badge on my chest uh, that said Raw and the date. Um, and when after the show, we went to walk backstage, and we were told, oh, those badges can't get backstage again. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I, I don't know what happened to our gear and stuff. I think we might have been able to get in to get our gear. It's... I don't know. My memory is absolutely brutal, but I do remember that, and I remember. I can just, I can just picture because again, you're just fucking these four uh, indie guys or whatever. Like, right. ah, the hell with for, these guys. For, yeah. Plus, you know, a guy in an RVD t-shirt. Like, hey, I'm one of you guys. Yeah. You know. Again, a self-admitted four guys who just look like fans. No, no, yes. no. We're wrestlers. <laughs> we, we're in the business. Exactly. So, I, and I think I do remember that same night was the night that. Do you remember the White Boy Challenge? Yes, I do. With Rodney Mack. Yes, I look do. Up, look up Rodney Mack. Then there was a period of time where he was he was managed by Teddy Long at the time, and he was doing a White Boy Challenge where he'd hi, where he'd wrestle white boys, um, and and uh, Pat Patterson had come to the the CTC, the Chaotic Training Center, not too long before that. I think it was Pat Patterson, right? You're looking at me weird. Pat, Pat Patterson came to the Chaotic Training Center, and he saw this guy Grub. Uh, also known as Matthew Evagrius, who you uh, a protege of mine, you ran with in the uh, in the Lost Souls, Bro- broke me in, as they say. Exactly. Um, so he saw that, and, and this guy was whiter than white. He was paler than a like, bench sheet. Think, think like Seamus. Like that was like his complexion, right? So he he saw him and said, "You're coming to TV Monday and do the White Boy Challenge because I'm not going to find anyone whiter." So I just remember seeing as we were, as we were getting to the curtain trying to get backstage, he was walking out, and uh, I remember like Victoria like being very nice and saying, "Oh, it's great to see you," and da 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 da, da to him. But um, now that just stuck in my head that uh, Grub Matthew Vegas was there that night also. Nobody, nobody does mild racism quite like <laughs> WWE. And also, I just had to mention this because I was uh, buried for it. Uh, afterwards uh time and time again but when the actual spot happened where uh goldberg was speared through the uh through the um through the barricade i might have oversold it a little bit um (laughs) (laughs) i I mean he he does the spot and i i tried to to you know play it off like oh well i something hit me and i kind of fell backwards but if you see the footage, uh, it was um, Goldberg versus one of the three-minute warning, uh, Rosie or Jamal, who later went became Umaga. Um, and is it on the network? Have you gone back and tried to find it? I saw it on YouTube, um, but the you know, the quality was you know it was done in two thousand three, probably uploaded not that long after, so the quality is terrible. I can't really see anything, but. Yeah, I, I I did a little dance where I I kind of like did the old Yokozuna cell where my my <laughs> arms were I don't think it was that bad but but, but this is how I, this is how it's remembered. Uh, I'm doing the big Yokozuna uh, windmill arm cell and my my leg is dangling out. I'm doing like it almost looks like a an Elaine dance from uh the you You're know. doing like the junkyard dog like knees <laughs> like <laughs> juking and jiving. Yeah, so. Uh, Maybe not my finest moment, and I was uh, rightfully uh, buried by uh, Todd Fatpants Sinclair and many others for it. But uh, 
that was uh that was my uh, debut under the big lights <laughs> of uh wwe um but i mean a cool i mean a cool spot uh, i'm a, i mean above all i mean <clears throat> excuse me i don't want to come across as like I certainly don't want this to come across like, oh, I'm this, this bitter guy, unimpressed with everything. Like, these are really cool, right? Cool moments, and at this particular juncture, the closest probably I'll ever be to really being there at this point. Yeah, you know? definitely for me. Unless something happens, you know, you know, whoever time, whatever time I have left in wrestling. But right. um, these are very cool moments to 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 be in the locker room and to experience these things and and ultimately when you did get to work out and do things um i mean kind of just to give people the idea of you would get you get there or whatever you check in you know um you know some form of figuring out how to get paid you know how that, they've changed it over the years or whatever yeah, it became, tim tim white i guess uh after his uh Suicide was resurrected as the as the pay guy. He was great. He was he, he was like he was, happy to give you the money. I think he would have gave more if he could have. Very nice guy. He always <laughs> talked about uh you know he'd say oh you guys from you guys from Killer Kowalski's you know he had the the New England accent. You guys from Killers and like yeah so well done. So he yeah always very happy to yeah give us money. Yeah exactly. Nice. And then you kind of get if if on a picket, most times you would get change we get change into some sort of workout attire and you just kind of. Head down. Everything's now it's structured. Back then it really wasn't structured. But you'd kind of meander on down to the ringside area and stretch out, and you're kind of eyeballing and seeing if people are getting in the ring, you know. And if people start getting in the ring and rolling around a little bit, like the first, it was kind of kind of like, all right, I took one person to be brave to actually get up on get up on the apron and tag in, and then everybody would. You know, start tagging in. So, would, would would you like follow the lead of like the developmental guys that were there, or the guys you know the guys that weren't on TV? If they were up there, you kind of. It was always like the young, yeah. The it was younger guys, or I mean, you're not seeing like you weren't seeing like John Cena or Batista right, right. or HBK or somebody up there rolling around. Although one time when I was at TV, Tony Atlas, I, I've known Tony Atlas since like my first like six months in wrestling. And, uh, How many names did he give you? <laughs> plenty of them. <laughs> um, uh, Tony was Tony Atlas, a big fan of big guy wrestlers, and yeah, he and, took and, a liking to me. And when you weren't as big, when you lost yeah, a bunch of weight, weight, what did he, he say uh, to you? I liked you better when you was fatter. <laughs> but uh, he, he was at, I was at TV once, and uh, this is when he was. But this is when he was with with Mark Henry, um, and he got in the ring and he's wrestling me and taking bumps from me and <laughs> yeah yeah and uh mark henry starts yelling at him tony what are you because tony's like 60 something years old or right. whatever and he's taking bumps from me and and i know obviously mark henry didn't realize like he had i'd known tony for years or whatever and tony was but i mean this this was tony actually doing something pretty awesome for me right <laughs> like, trying to showcase you know let me showcase some stuff and here's this 60 something year old guy like taking bumps for me he's a hall of famer and like you didn't have to do that but that yeah, was taking years off his life yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah. but that I means that was very cool like you know um but that's kind of how it went like you'd roll around generally with other the the um, at different times, you like the younger guys on the roster or developmental guys, or when they had the NXT kind of show, you'd you'd wrestle with them, you know. And and sometimes they would look for uh, when I first started going, they had still had dark matches, so they you know would be looking for guys for dark matches or maybe if they had a job match on TV. I mean, I was never really in contention for those types of things because Your size. I mean, at my yeah, at my lightest, I was I was three ten. Um, 
But and then kind of when that's done, I mean, this by the time that's done, you're talking five in the afternoon, somewhere around there. Um, and then around, I think around six, they usually do a rehearsal. And now it's just get back in your dress clothes and just hang out because stuff does come up. I mean, I've literally been. You're doing a security spot. You're not doing a security security spot. You're doing a security spot. You're not doing a security spot. Right. Like it goes back and forth. Maybe at eight o'clock, Raw's going on the air. Oh my God, we need we need three guys to stand in the background of this vignette. Like there's tons of things like that. Yeah, let me tell you that this this is one time you're talking about security spot. No security spot. I was uh, working in Boston at the time, and Jamie would always say, um, the owner of Chaotic Wrestling, he would always say. Bring your gear with you the day you, that you know WWE is going to be in town because you never know. Um, so I would literally bring a gear back the day you know they were going to be. I work in Boston. They're going to be at the Boston uh, where Fleets probably Fleets are at the time or TD Bank North Guard and whatnot. Um, so I'd bring a bag. I got we got a call at like between four and five p.m. saying they need security guys right now. You got to get over there. So I'm like, okay, and I just kind of found a way. I didn't even, like, no one at work even knew that I did any wrestling stuff, so I just kind of made an excuse to get out of there, and I, I left and took my gear bag, ran over to the uh, the lot, uh, parked on the lot, ran in there, uh, you know, so what's going on, what's going on, got in my gear, was given a security shirt, and we were told to go over where the Larry Bird statue was um, in inside the uh, the Fleet Center, and... And uh, Davari joined joined us. He was uh, with, uh, I believe, Muhammad Hassan at the time. I think. And uh, there's going to be a spot with Davari and John Cena. I think what the idea was was Davari is going to deface the the Larry Bird uh, the Larry Bird statue or attempt to, and John Cena would you know, intercept him somehow. So we sat there for probably a good at least twenty minutes. Davari, me, I believe Tony Omega, who's the was the number one go to on call security officer. Underrated with the T V more than anybody. <laughs> exactly. And we sat there for a long time with Davari just waiting. And Davari would like, you know, be on his phone or whatnot. We'd just be kind of staring at our shoes. And um you know Keep this in mind. I rushed over there, da 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 da, and I'm waiting, and then I'm told, "Oh, uh, you know, they cut, they cut the spot, <laughs> they canceled the vignette." <laughs> so I, I rushed over there to all the stuff, and you know, it's. Do you I, to go eat catering? The yeah, things? yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that's, tremendous. So it, it cut out a lot, a lot of the waiting around during the day. I had a nice <laughs> full day's work. And the only thing that sucks is the Boston Garden catering is like the worst because it's like the smallest room on earth. It is. I I, I almost uh, I almost uh, plowed over a Linda McMahon once. In uh, in catering, that would not I, have been a good move. I turned around and she like right in my face. I was like, "Oops, oh, excuse me, pardon me." But uh, yeah, could you imagine what would you have done? How probably <laughs> puked all over yourself had I you would, had you cleaned out Linda McMahon? I would have pulled a Tim White <laughs> <laughs> right there, yes, just exactly. right there in front of everybody. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean, yeah, just again trying to give people an idea who either you know guys in the business who haven't been there or people just fans listening to this like. It's definitely a. It's like the best, worst, coolest, nerve-wracking. Like, yeah, like because I mean, you're where you're where you want at that moment in time. You are exactly where you want to be. Like when you were growing up, and this is your dream. You're at Monday Night Raw right now, and you're booked. And like 
as talent, but it's extra talent. Yeah. And so you're like you're in the place you want to be, but not for the reason quite yet. It's like the definition. It's like the definition of so close yet so far away. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I think we kind of covered the gamut of like what the actual, without getting into too many stories, but what the actual experience is like um, uh, of getting there and, and kind of the whole day. It really is a lot of, and I said it before, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. It's get in, get in your gear and wait. <laughs> Be in your dress clothes and wait. I think by the last time, last couple times I was going to TV, I would bring my wrestling gear, obviously. I would wear, you know, dress clothes there. I would bring uh, jeans, uh, some form of gym pants. Uh, a, I would wear dress shoes. I'd bring my wrestling boots and sneakers because you never know, right. like what they're gonna what they're gonna use you for. Like I think I think my gear bag at that point was like jam packed. I'd like sit in it to close it because of all these different scenarios that could play out that they that they use you for. So right, like one time I where I did another spot. Uh, this was in uh, 2011. Like one, I think it was probably the last time I was there. Uh, at Mohegan Sun in um, Connecticut. That was my last time too, buddy. Yeah, it was. I think I lost my car keys there. I had a. I had to use my extra set because I. I think I lost my car keys. Is that when we, did we go gamble before? Did we go play some slot machines or something beforehand? Oh yeah. yeah. Back the future machine. Yeah, yeah, me, you, and uh, Warbeard Hanson. I, I believe. Oh, he's. <laughs> we got to get him on the show soon. He's uh, one of the most uh, mentioned. People. Yes. Well, he had something to do today. Thanks, Todd. Jerk. Yeah. Freaking son of a bee. Um, so yeah, the, speaking of changing, I, they had a bunch of spots that day. They had a, a spot with, um, they needed a photographer for, um, great, great colleague, Jinder, Jinder Mahal and yeah, Jinder Mahal and the great colleague. They had a, a spot, they wanted a photographer who was going to be intimidated. And, uh, that spot went to, uh, the one and only firebrand, Brian Fury. Um, I actually, actually watched that uh, on YouTube today. Really? Yeah, I was you know searching around for different things, and uh, I was trying to find the date of because uh, it was my last TV I ever went to, and uh, yeah, I actually watched that today. Funny spot. Yeah, and there's another. I think there was a, a second spot too, but the the third one, the one that I heard that I was like, ah, oh, I like to try to do that. It was a spot um, at a roulette table. Um, they're gonna have Christian uh, gamble with uh, Randy Orton's money. Christian and uh, Orton were in a. Uh, yeah, he stole his bag or something, or he yeah. raided his raided his bus or something along those lines. Yeah, so they were you know, end up picking people for the um, for the spot, and I got picked. It was me, uh, Julian Starr, the uh, one time was uh, Jerry Blue part of this crew. He oh. was there, but was he part of your vignette? No, he was not. He was not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was me. It was Julian Starr, the one and only Julian Starr, and Tony Omega. <laughs> But not for a security spot. Tony this time. Omega, professional extra talent. He, he, he was he's branching out from his uh, his role as security uh, to be a part of this. So when I f- found out we were doing the spot, I was like, um, okay. So I was in my my nice clothes. So I was like, all right, I should probably change into my grubby clothes to be a part of this. You know, because you think most people, especially my age, going to the going to the um, casino would probably be wearing you say, like you're saying a, you look like a scumbag when you go to the casino mike yeah yeah why not <laughs> um but so i changed into you know i wearing a red Sox hat and all this other stuff and i i came out and i said you know change back <laughs> so, get back in your suit <laughs> and, I, and i was afraid that when i went to change they would just leave without me and 
you know, grab someone else. So I was like changing, like I changed probably three minutes and, uh, came back out and they were still waiting. And, uh, so we went up and, uh, we got in the elevator with, it was, um, you know, the producer of uh, maybe two, there's, I think two producers to, uh, help with the vignette Christian, uh, and the three of us. And we got in the elevator and it was kind of tight. And, uh, <laughs> Tony Omega ever the, uh, the wordsmith it was uh, just like uh, it's, uh, <laughs> he said he says uh, everyone's just dead silent like Christian's like looking down on his phone everyone's just mind their own business you know doing the whole thing in the elevator just looking up at the numbers watching them count down but uh, as soon as the doors close uh, Tony then goes good thing I didn't have the chili and catering <laughs> <laughs> oh flatulence jokes <laughs> I'm oh. sure Christian was very impressed <laughs> Yeah, I he might like one uh, eyebrow might have slightly twinged upward, but beyond that, he was kind of uh, probably at this point questioning why do I why do I still do this <laughs> yes. uh, with all the money I have in the bank currently? Exactly. But uh, we, I mean, Christian's, ve- I mean, he's very professional and stuff like that. But you know, we didn't really. He wasn't the most outgoing fella. But nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that. I'm not the most outgoing fella either. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever. Uh, most of the guys were were nice enough most times just didn't want to be bugged and you know if the opportunity presented itself you'd say hello but most times it didn't um, yeah i mean i remember charles robinson was always very polite and the, re- the referees always seemed to yeah. be except <laughs> except for one particular referee who's there currently who's a complete douchebag um, <laughs> always uh i mean i think because they're kind of lowest low guys on the totem pole there so kind of you know they, poop, yeah. poop runs downhill, so they yes. get it from above, and we're the only guys there below them, so they're more than happy to give it to us. But uh, I mean, I, I mean, the only times I can think of where I was uh, not treated poorly, but you know, I remember rolling around in the afternoon one time, and uh, Percy Watson and Michael Tarver took turns just eating my lunch, for lack of a better term. I mean, basically just. Would, well, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't let me get anything in, rubbing my face into the mat, forearms, and to, you know, just for I I have no clue why, you know, I I didn't fight back, probably because I didn't fight back. I don't know, but what am I gonna do? Like, I'm gonna no win position there if I fight back. Did you, you take know? an extra piece of chicken? What happened? Maybe I don't know. Maybe I took too much <laughs> too much catering or something. I don't I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I, that was the only time I really kind of you know came back I was like you know well, these guys are assholes I they completely took advantage of me and one other time I guess um one of the story kind of negative kind of thing was uh, uh I was there with Max Bauer um who was in uh, NXT for a short stint as Axel, Axel Keegan Mickey Keegan yes um but we were there and it was this is when they were doing it was like, I think it was like the second coming of like the Nexus uh, and this was With the uh, CM Punk led version. Maybe you know what? Maybe not because it, it was. Uh, let me look at the date here. I actually again, I looked. I looked at this date. It was. <laughs> right. It was 2010. It was June of 2010. The Fatal Four Way Pay Per View, and uh, so the Nexus was going to bust in the back, and they were going to assault two like stage hands, you know, two techs with like headsets on. Yeah. Um, and me and Max were the only extras, and uh, you know, I'm I'm you know like six two. You know, at this point, I'm probably you know three twenty ish. Uh, Max is six four, six five, two seventy, two eighty. Um, you know, so we definitely don't look like your normal techs. Right. Um, but we, you know, we were walking through the spot or whatever, and they're kind of going over it. And uh, Heath Slater just kind of looks at us and, oh, ho, ho, gonna knock out some big boys tonight. And I just kind of was like, 
why would you say that? Like, I'm giving you my body. There's nothing I can do. If you destroy my life and you're a dick to me, there's literally nothing I can do about it. Like, so you're just going to take advantage of the situation and treat me like a piece of garbage. Cool. That tells me a lot about you. Uh, it's kind of like that old, like, that old kind of saying or whatever. Like, you want to you know how somebody truly is? Watch how they treat, like the janitor, you know, or you right. know, like that sort of thing. You know, here I, here we are just guys looking for an opportunity, not unlike Slater was at one point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was going to take liberties or bragged about potentially taking liberties with us. Ultimately, we, wa- we walked, we walked through the whole spot with Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. And we walked to the back, uh, and uh, a couple of indie guys, um, some people out there might know Alex Reynolds and Pat Buck, we're both standing there, and they they hadn't been there earlier. So as soon as me and Max saw them, we kind of knew the deal, and um, you know they told us that they're going to use them, and it worked out better because it made a hell of a lot more sense. Because I, I mean, I can't imagine I can't imagine that me and Max would wouldn't have stuck out like sore thumbs uh, as indie workers that they booked for this spot. <laughs> you know? um, hey, look, it's a druid. What's the druid doing with the headset yeah, exactly. on? Hey, it's the fat druid. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I, I guess I've, I mean I've been backstage for some pretty interesting i have some pretty interesting stories i mean uh, i'm i'm a huge steelers fan um so i went to a tv taping in wilkesbury pennsylvania one time and it right. was, the special guest host was ben roethlisberger who's he the quarter the super bowl winning quarterback oh, of the pittsburgh steelers uh so i had made the decision like i'm gonna say hi to, i'm gonna say hi to him i don't even i don't even care like i'm saying hi and 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 uh shaking his hand um, Wait, the, Five years prior, you wouldn't have even said hi to, uh, you know, a, a referee. I wouldn't even said hi to chat to Amish at Factor, who I knew. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're, the hallway was kind of small or whatever, uh, and uh, I see him coming, and I was like, "This is it," because it's getting late in the day now. So I kind of like. So we just we just hanging around the whole time, just kind of. It was the, it was the hurry up and wait. They had us doing nothing. They already told us to change. You know, there was nothing doing. So I kind of like again small hallway. They have Just all their... holding up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like position myself like half blocking like the hallway, <laughs> wearing your black and gold, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, waving my terrible towel. Uh, and I go, he, here, you know, here comes Ben Roethlisberger walking down the hall, and I go, "Hi, Ben. I'm Brian." And I shake his hand. And he goes, "All right, you good? All right, cool." <laughs> like walks <laughs> walks away. So obviously he knew I was some sort of creep, just trying to trying to. To meet him and uh, you were good, right? What's that? You were good. Yeah, you were yeah. good. Okay. I was good. Okay, maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, but so that was kind of a cool, cool thing. I got to meet Ben Roethlisberger through going to TV, and he kind of thought it maybe I was some sort of uh, mentally handicapped <laughs> gentleman who was obsessed with him. <laughs> so um, we also, I think we were both at the was it SummerSlam '86 nine. 86. 86. Good. SummerSlam 2006. Um, well, okay, let's talk about the extra accommodations for just a half a second. Uh, when, when I first started going, I think the first time I went with the, um, with the Goldberg thing, the all the talent was in one locker room. Extras would be in would go in the regular locker room. What I did was I brought my gear bag, I set it down in the in the locker room and walked away and never went back in there <laughs> just to stay, make sure I'm completely out of the way. I mean, I, I was think, think I was in there long enough to see a uh, Rene Dupree's dick, but, <laughs> but that was it. What it looked like. Well, you know, it was uncut, <laughs> but, uh, 
<laughs> but anyway, um, so European, you know what I mean? No, was he European? He's <laughs> Something like that. Um, so it went from the, that, which I, mean, I think probably the next time it went, they had a special designated extra locker room. Room closet. Well, yeah, it was, <laughs> and it one I think it might have been in Boston. It it became it was underneath. It was you were underneath the bleachers. You were living underneath the bleachers. People could look down and see you. Yes, you were living <laughs> underneath the bleachers. And then at one point, they moved us out of a room, and they had an extra tent. They would go. They would set up a tent. In the uh, in the backstage well, area, and it was like it was this tent was it wasn't like out of the way like so so like, I'm just, I think everybody knows the term gorilla now, but that's like you know where Vince McMahon sits and Triple H now, and that's the way to the entrance way is through gorilla, um, and at, at the garden it's always in the same place. So they put at the garden they put this damn tent like literally right in front of like the entrance to gorilla, right. So, so remember, it, wasn't, it wasn't like out of the way. I remember coming coming out of the tent once and just seeing it looked like one of those shots that they have right before uh, a match on Raw, where Triple H and Shawn Michaels were in gear, like you know, adjusting their wrist tape, walking towards me, <laughs> like you know, just like those things you see, like they're going the to commercial. Yeah, they're going to commercial on Raw, and they're walking towards you know backstage, walking towards the gorilla position. I literally walked out of the tent, and there they were coming towards me, like okay, I'll go back in the tent. But uh, I was talking about this is SummerSlam 80, 86. SummerSlam two SummerSlam two thousand six. I got it there. Whew. SummerSlam two thousand six, and we one time we were all out of the tent, and we were probably getting catering, and we walked back in the tent and just found Mick Foley sitting there, like uh, just in a moment of self reflection. It was right before he's wrestling Ric Flair, right, in like a hardcore match or something. Yeah, right? I think it was I quit, and I think it turned into some sort of bloodbath and you know at this time Mick Foley was career was winding down and he wasn't this was, I mean, they were playing on like the real live like heat between the two of them too Flair had called him a glorified stunt man like I, yeah. think, I think they really played off of like the work shoot like stuff too yeah so he he found he's he, I guess he saw the tent and saw this is a good point a good place to like you know have this little moment with myself before I go out there and you know further destroy my body uh so we walked a number of us walked in and saw him there with his head down and just kind of you know did the 180 spun on a dime and walked out just gave him a little uh time i think i, think I was with you with you yeah yeah, yeah. gave him a little time to himself in the extra tent yeah was that like that that you know you, you do that it was like somebody uh, t- took the hook and like hooked us off stage yes. like, we couldn't get out of there fast enough Exactly. So, uh, I, 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 there's one more story I gotta tell because okay. it's like the all. This is the all time. I think I would. I would. If there's somebody out there who can top this TV, st- I want to challenge any of the, uh, you know, any of the wrestlers out there listening to this. Top my television story, and it's actually uh, the three of us that were there were myself, uh, Chase Del Monte uh, from Chaotic Wrestling, uh, and now WWE NXT superstar Christopher Gerard, formerly Biff Busick. The three of us oh. were at. Uh, TV. This was in uh, Newark, New Jersey. Um, so there were some other local talent there, and um, I, I'll, I won't use names. <laughs> um, uh Oh, yeah, it would be nice. Um, although I think I might have told this on uh, Biff and Ted's Excellent Podcast Adventure with names. But yeah, go go look up Biff and Ted's Excellent <laughs> Podcast Adventure with uh, 
Biff Busick and uh, and you'll, and you'll get the na- yeah, you'll get the names. But uh, was this um, <laughs> this long time? Wait, wait, wait! Why are we giving the exclusive to the other podcast? Ah, I don't know the hell it was. Kevin Knight, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Knight of you know IWF in New Jersey, and I you know, if Kevin if somehow Kevin Knight listens to this and and gets upset about it, then hey, I'm sorry, Kevin. You can Facebook message me, and <laughs> you know, but it's the God's honest truth. This actually happened. So. It's Kevin Knight. Uh, the other kid, I don't really remember his name. He was a small kid. Um, you know, I, I, little. I, I, he was Hispanic. I don't remember. I don't know his work name or anything. And it was me, Chase, Biff, and there was one other guy. I don't. I don't remember his name either. Um, he wasn't like uh, from New England. He was no. He was from New Jersey area. Yeah. And um, so Kevin comes up to the group of us. We're just kind of standing by the ringside area. This is a SmackDown taping now. And nothing's doing. The guys are tired. They've been on the road. This is like their last stop. Like, And there's usually more time with the uh, in-ring stuff for, for extras on SmackDown because there's less planning in terms of angles. Which we didn't actually get a lot of ring time this time oh, really? because they were going they were going over matches uh, oh, okay. at this point. So Kevin Knight walks up to the group of us and goes, you know, like this... He's been there like a million times or whatever, and you know has a good. They know him, and he has a good relationship. He's done commercials for them, and and goes, "Hey guys, you know, while we're sitting here waiting, we should exchange some basic wrestling holds. You know, to show them we're we're here for more than just the catering. Even that's no, even though that's why we're really here. Huh? Huh? That little, you know, <laughs> da, da, with the elbow, you know. So uh, he grabs the the little uh, Hispanic kid, and and Chase pairs off with the other guy from Jersey. And I look at Biff, and I go, I'm not doing that. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I'm not doing that. I'm not wrestling on the floor. That's that's ridiculous. So <laughs> so now, you know, you, everybody kind of knows how, they, how TV is set up, where the announce tables are. Um, so Kevin Knight and this other kid, like, are there. And then right. a little bit next to them are Chase and this other guy. Now, me and Biff start working our way down Creep uh, yeah, the barricade, like towards like the in- the end of like the ring, because I want to be away from these guys. And as like, soon as you get around that corner, you just got to take off, <laughs> run. Backstage. Oh no, we we didn't go hide out back, but you know now we're just watching them. So Chase comes over to the two of us and goes, uh, "Hey, uh, why aren't you guys doing this?" And I go, "I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. I'm you not. Want, re- you want to do a tag team match? <laughs> <on the floor? laughs> like I'm not wrestling on the floor." He goes. I go, he goes, well, Kevin's been here a bunch. I go, Kevin's been here a bunch and never got signed. Chase goes, touche. So now these two stop wrestling. So now it's just the four of us stand there while these two guys are wrestling each other. And it turns into, like, from just exchanging basic wrestling holds to they are having, like, a full-out match, like a body slam, like guy does, like, an up and over where he lands on his feet. They are both, like, dripping sweat. There's sweat on the floor. Choke slam through a table, right? (laughs) Arn Anderson (laughs) looks over at the four of us who aren't doing that at one point and gives the old, like, he's hanging himself sign, you know, so... Uh, just incredible. So this, so now they have a spot that night. So the, 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 they finally stop wrestling. They, they wrestled for like fifteen minutes, and everybody just a complete spectacle. And, um, and all the wrestlers were uh, get a big uh, ovation afterwards. Uh, everybody just stopped. Was like everybody stopped and was watching them at one point. Right. Um. You know, rolling their eyes and just because it's just nonsense. Who are you trying to impress? It's, it's trying too hard at that right. point. Um. So they, the 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 Hispanic kid who again he's very small. Um, they needed somebody who looked like a janitor, so they selected this kid um, to do like this spot. I don't. It was, it was something with Vicky. Wait, wait, wait. How, how did Heath Slater treat this janitor? <laughs> Heath Slater was I was there that night, and he was awesome that night. I <laughs> talked with Heath Slater two thirds of the night that night, but that's because he was just like a 
developmental okay. guy at that point. Oh, and all right. Hadn't been on TV. Um, but it was some sort of spot with Vicky Guerrero, and um, the kid was up on stage. And once he, they picked him for the spot, like, he was, like, one of the guys. Like, he's going up to Batista and, like, making small Backstab. talk with Batista. I'm not even kidding. Like, like he makes, like, a joke. Batista was talking to, I want to say it was, like, Ezekiel Jackson, and he's, like, buttoning on their conversation. Um, it was Maybe it was – yeah, I think it was Ezekiel Jackson. And uh but just acting like he's one of the guys now. Acting the fool. Yeah, so he does his spot or whatever and we're all just standing by the monitor backstage and uh, this is like the end of the taping now and Mike Kyoto's walking through the hallway and he bumps into the kid. And the kid goes to him like in a playful way, "Hey man, watch where you're going." Cuz you know, he's one of the guys now. He just was on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Kyoto goes, "Excuse me?" And, he, and, he, and the kid, you know, watch where you're going. You bumped into me. And, and like, the kid has a big smile on his face. So Kyoto now takes, like, two or three steps back towards the kid and just shoves him as hard as he can right in the chest. And the kid's face, all of a sudden, he realizes, like, whoa, what the, what the hell's going on here? Right. Kyoto goes, you're lucky I have to go do the main event right now or I'd kick your fucking ass. And, like, and he goes, you better not be back here when I, when I get back. So Kyoto goes now to do the main event of SmackDown. And the kid's now, uh, uh, uh. Humana, humana, humana. Yeah. So he goes into the locker room. Uh, and I think Charlie Haas went behind him to kind of smarten him up and tell him, like, he has to leave. Like, you should leave. Right. Um, so Charlie Haas comes back out. And Charlie Haas had worked for Chaotic Wrestling, so he was familiar with, the, with, the, with me and Chase and I think Biff a little bit. And he goes, hey, you better tell your boy he needs to get out of here. And we're like, no, 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 no. He's not our boy. We don't even know him. He's like, well, he's in there praying. Like, somebody should go tell him he needs to get out of here. So I don't, somebody eventually, like, tells him to, like, to, like <laughs> leave or whatever. So, again, Charles Robinson comes up to us. We're going to leave. And Charles Robinson goes, hey, what was up with your boy? He goes, Whoa, he's not our boy. But. Kyoto came back and was looking for him. Yeah. <laughs> so I challenge if there's anybody out there who's been to TV, like not not has worked for WWE, like because right. you have insane stories. I mean, they're, I mean they're all listening. <laughs> but let's let's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we have friends that have been there and come back and who may listen to this. I don't know. I'm sure they have crazy stories. But if you're extra talent who's been privy to a crazier story than that, I'd love to hear it. And you can come on this podcast and tell it because. It, it'll be great because I will probably remember that story until the day I die. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be, nice, it'd be a nice segment, like extra extras. Extras, extras. Yeah, hey, there you go. Maybe <laughs> we uh, we start working on it. I do got, pl- hey, got plenty more stories, but we you know we, we want to keep it at an hour here. Well, that's it's little, too little too late for that. We're, We're over the hour mark. Goodness, <laughs> Oh, Mike. my goodness. Let's, let's get into – we should have had a nice little uh, commercial break in there for uh, – for uh, BDA Radio, but uh, why don't you tweet us at BDA underscore radio, at BDA underscore radio. How about you use our hashtag, PDA for BDA. You can tweet it. You can even tweet it at us. I'm at Crocsocks. He's at Brian Malonis. Why don't you give us uh, some feedback? We love the feedback. We've got some great feedback from you guys. We want more of it. So use the hashtag PDA for BDA. We'll give you a mention on the podcast. We'll answer all of your comments, your questions. So just do that. Interact with us on Twitter. We want to interact with you. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA. Tweet us at BDA underscore radio. Okay, quick. Let's do this promo about nothing. We got to get out of here. About nothing, yes. It's getting late. Getting late early, as they say. Yes. Uh, So this one is from the well-known federation known as the Cyberspace Wrestling Federation. <laughs> it's actually, actually, I believe Brian Fury and uh, 
Justin Shape uh, did some work for them. Uh, I believe the guy's name was Billy Firehawk. He has since passed away. He was the promoter. But uh, he had, there's a famous promo out there. Uh, after WCW closed down, uh, Lex Luger wasn't getting any uh, work with uh, WWE. So he uh, made his presence known in the Cyberspace Wrestling Federation and uh, had uh, one of the most famous promos uh Let's just say of all time, uh, probably some somewhere around 2002, 2003. So uh, let's take a listen to this. All right. Mr. Luger, Mr. Luger, I saw what just happened out there with Ron Killens. I just want to ask you, I mean, what are your plans for the next show, Super Bowl Saturday? I mean, are you, are you going to take care of Ron Killens? What kind of disgusting, despicable... Lack of respect. Does that Billy What's-His-Name show booking a match for the total package Lex Luger and Super Brawl? Super Saturday? What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Super Brawl Saturday. Super Brawl Saturday? Can he afford to pay me to wrestle run? I don't know. I'm one of the biggest legends stars ever in this. God! And your t-shirts are too tight too, Billy! And you book a match with me against Ryan Killings! Look at me! I'm a total package! I will rip him apart! I'm pissed now! I don't think I'd... Okay, I have... Oh, he's pissed! I have just uh, seen where the sure thing Mark Sherman got just about all of his Two material. Two-thirds of his material. I, I looked at that and said, that is a Mark Sherman promo, just l- the way he's looking. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Sherman, your secret is out. It is completely... The, we have Lex Luger, the total package, to thank for the sure thing Mark Mark Sherman. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I guess Tarzan Taylor. Go back and listen to episode four from more there on... You go. Uh, Mark Sherman. Yeah, what a, what an epic epic promo! I've probably seen that promo. I would if I haven't seen it a hundred times, I haven't seen it once. It's yes. it's glorious and it's just as funny every single time. If you haven't if you haven't seen this, go to YouTube, find it, watch it. The visual is as good as the as good as the words. Yes, we added the link right in the uh, description of the episode, so you can uh, check it out right there. The uh, Lex Luger promo. Okay, let's get to it, uh, Brian Malonis. You are. Uh, Crisscrossing this great nation of ours, hitting the highways and byways, applying your trade in the professional wrestling business, and you have got dates. I got dates, so I will be going to the Renegade Wrestling Alliance, Michael. Of course. Michael. The RWA, their big, their biggest show of the year, Legacy Nine, wow. and I will be going against Pro Wrestling Savior, the Juice. They've had nine J- of these. They've had nine of them, but I will be taking on the Juice, JT Dunn. Uh, one of the hottest kind of Indian names out there. Right, uh, definitely. So I'm going to put a hurting on JT Dunn on June 11th in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Uh, go to rwarrestling.net for all the details. Wow, uh, you got a website, too. Yes, nice. look at that. I'm very well prepared done. this week, Michael. Well done. Uh, and then uh, June 17th, I'll be uh, with UFO Wrestling, uh, a benefit for Children's Hospital. Very cool show. Every single year they do it. Money goes to a great cause. Uh, it's in Tewksbury. Uh, find them on Facebook, UFO Wrestling Boston. Tewksbury Country Club, correct? Uh, Elks, it's not the Country Club, Jared. It's oh, at the Elks Lodge really? okay. this year. Yeah, but always, always a good show for a great cause. And, uh, you know, if you can come out, support that, please do. 
Uh, and then I got two big dates for Top Rope Promotions, June 18th in New Bedford, Mass., with a special bell time of 1 p.m. Uh, so please find them on Facebook for all the, all the details. I'll also be back with Top Rope Promotions on June 24th at the world-famous PAL Hall in great Fall building. River. Uh, Have you been there before? You've I been recently there? made my debut there against Nick Steele. It's a fantastic uh, building. Building is tremendous. Uh, I'm very happy to to be part of Top Row Promotions. They were uh, one of the places uh, in New England that's been around probably, um, you know, probably the longest. They might be the they the, the origins of them might be the longest running independent promotion in New England. I think, I think pretty so, sure. Yeah. Of it. Um, so very cool to to be a part of that. Um, you know, congratulations by the way to Teddy Goods who uh, won the. Top Rope Heavyweight Championship. Uh, yes. Long time coming. I, I don't know Ted very well. I've probably met him a couple times, but uh, I love the, the podcast he did with Biff. Obviously, we mentioned a couple times. And, uh, He's you know. a great guy. Great guy. Underratedly, I've known him almost since I started because he, we both broke into the same kind of small promotion. Uh, but uh, And then uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my big debut that just happened at Beyond Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, whoever thought the Kingpin in Beyond Wrestling. So I should have uh, more good things coming up with them. Uh, maybe some uh, official dates I can release on the next podcast. But again, hooking up with JT Dunn there. Uh, he thought he could knock around some ref. Hey, Mike, I'm refing. Look at that. You've inspired me. I lent you a shirt. Uh, yeah, 4XL, right? Yeah. yeah. I knew it was yours. I knew it was yours, but very happy to uh, be a part of uh, Beyond Wrestling, too. So uh, these last couple months, just been getting new places, and it's very exciting. It's really kind of reinvigorated me, uh, getting new places, meeting new people, getting exposure. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got kind of going on. Great. Couldn't be, ha- couldn't be happier about it. And those are the nothing happenings. So uh, let's get to the uh, end of the show here. So let's uh, give a special shout-out to the podcast with little talent but lots of extra belly fat. A Man Walks Into an Arm Bar, BDA Radio's MMA podcast hosted by Chad Alden and Paul St. Ammon Jr. Find them on BDARadio.com, hopefully. And if you don't subscribe on iTunes, Chad of 5000 will bust your face in. Follow at BDA underscore radio. <laughs> I think you were looking for something from me there. I had nothing. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I'm, I'm just, I just plow right on, just like with the, uh, you know, with my BDA uh, gimmick at the beginning of the show. I just plow right through. I'll I plow right thing, through. You Thank you thing. very much. Follow at BDA underscore radio. Follow at Crocsox, at Brian Malonis. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA to get a shout out on an upcoming show. And for all of your MMA and wrestling talk, join us. Come on over. Get all the news at BDARadio.com. Okay, that's it for this week. We'll see you next Monday on iTunes, on Podbean, on BDARadio.com. For the Kingpin Brian Malonis, this is Mike Crockett, and thanks for nothing.